new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The Hawkeyes fall 35-0 to zero to Tennessee in the 2024 Citrus Bowl. Not the happy New Year start that kind of Iowa fans wanted. You know, I would say this was pretty unexpected for the most part, just in the fashion that everything kind of unfolded. But HawkeyeInsider.com, Swarmcast, David Eichel, Sean Bach with 24-7 Sports. Uh, Sean, I mean, where do you want to start? Because I feel like we could go a thousand different directions with kind of what happened. Um was this kind of a result you saw coming? Was it, you know, Nico's phenomenal play, I thought, at, at quarterback for Tennessee? Was it Iowa's offensive ineptitude? Where where do you kind of want to go with things? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it was definitely a little bit of a surprise. I think coming out of the gates, you probably would have expected more of a more of a competitive matchup, especially when you look at how many guys from this Tennessee team were not playing that were big role players throughout the uh, the regular season for the Vols. And, you know, Tennessee had a couple couple of, like, tough losses to teams that, you know, were atop of the, uh, atop of the SEC. But yeah. really, like, some of their wins, like, weren't overly impressive. I don't have it in front of me, but I think I saw a tweet where, like, maybe their best win was UTSA this year or something like that. Like, there wasn't this Tennessee team. Don't get me wrong, was a was a good good football team, and you saw yeah. that today. But like I said, with the backups playing, I mean, Nico. Yes, he's. We saw just how talented he was. This is not the result I expected. You know, I yeah from the jump, you kind of saw just the athleticism of the SEC. And just how different it is and the speed of the game. And I thought if Iowa was going to win this game, then it would have to rely on the offense much more. And we've seen times where the offense has been able to at least, you know, show some signs of life or at least be productive, mainly yeah. that that Rutgers game. But as soon as that interception was thrown by Deacon Hill at the Tennessee four-yard line, I kind of thought to myself, oh, boy, like this yeah. might not be uh, – this might not be a win for Iowa, and that's what uh that's what expected. Yeah. It just or that's what happened. It just got from you know promising in the first quarter to you know just an ultimate beatdown. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think you're right. I think once that pick was thrown, I think everybody kind of knew Iowa was losing that game. I mean, you think about the games that Iowa's had against ranked foes this season, right? Remember, you know, Penn State, Iowa had opportunities. They get within field goal range, turnover. Uh, let's go even think about the Michigan game, right? I mean, Iowa had opportunities against Michigan, the Big Ten Championship as well. And, you know, for Deacon Hill, I mean, he he was put in a really tough situation. But I, I think 20 turnovers or 20 – yeah, I think 20 turnovers in his seven starts. I mean, think about this, Sean. He had 11 fumbles this season. He threw a pick six. And, and I, I, I have a lot of respect for Deacon and the way he's – you know, handled kind of everything being thrown at him. But that 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 has to be probably the last snap he plays. 
as a starting quarterback at Iowa. You, you just you you can't continue to turn the ball over at that rate, and, and it's just so interesting to me because you think back to that that interception right in that situation like there are some throws you can say that was a bad decision but you don't really think about it if you're in the moment you have to have perspective uh from the quarterback side about you know making a split second decision he stared down you know a triple covered receiver on third and goal from the four and still tried to fire it in there for a touchdown and he had plenty of time the o-line was still i thought playing okay at the time and, you know, I know the first thing that Kirk and Brian probably told him when he went over to the, the sideline after that is throw the ball away. Taking three points in a game like that is so massive. Um, and, you know, I, I think right now, too, you think about the matchups between ranked teams. I mean, Iowa was outscored 92-0 to zero this season from ranked teams. Sean. Iowa did not put up one point. Iowa has not scored a point against a ranked opponent since Luke Lachey's touchdown against Michigan, an offensive touchdown, uh, since October 1st of last year. So Iowa could very well go two full calendar years without scoring an offensive touchdown against the ranked team. I know, you know, people feel like we're dogging on the offense, but it just seems like week after week, despite the injuries, despite everything else, you have to continue to talk about it because the issues keep happening. Uh, and it was just an all-around bad day. I mean, wide receivers were dropping open passes. Caleb Brown had a couple bad drops, uh, you know, in that early first half. So nothing was really going right for Iowa in any way, shape, or form. And to say that Iowa needs a total overhaul would probably be understating it. Yeah, I mean, something something's got to change. I mean, obviously having Cade back next year will be a plus, but it's like how much the Iowa staff is putting faith into him it's like how much can you really put into from the – like it's it's just uneasy, I think. Like I think Cade's going to be a good quarterback for Iowa next year if he can stay healthy. But that's the thing. Like can he stay healthy? And especially after this season, like no one really expected on August 11th, August 12th, whenever it was, when McNamara went down, that mm-hmm. it would ultimately really impact how Iowa's season went. Yes, I mean, there were definitely some concerns with the injury, but it just seemed like it would be – there was optimism. <clears throat> but after yeah. that, it just like – it just felt like, you know, when McNamara went down, I mean, he had he had some positives during his first couple games at Iowa. Obviously, that first drive um, against uh, Utah State honestly felt like the peak of the season for this offense. Yes, you can look at that Rutgers game a little bit, and you can take take that away from there. But I mean, I mean, Deke, I, I mean, uh, KK of... McNamara's first completion and first pass was a touchdown, thirty six yard to Seth Anderson. Exactly, <laughs> and that that honestly, like I said, that honestly felt like the peak of the offense season. That's crazy. Looking back at it now, so, they were also again so much healthier with obviously Luke and Eric all though too. But again, it's like it's Utah State, and it's like if we have to go back thirteen games ago to point out the peak of an offense, like that just shows the state that it's in at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. And, and I mean, the defense, I think, yes, people expected it to be good this year, but how good? And I think this game kind of proved that you can't really win on defense alone. Like <clears throat> the defense did its job, I thought, for most of the game today. But I mean – if you can't keep – if the offense can't stay on the field, 
and you're playing against a team like Tennessee who wants to get up the field, wants to play with tempo, like that's going to wear out some of your bigger guys on the field. And that's going to take a toll eventually. And you're going to start making mistakes when you're tired. Yeah. And we saw that with, you know, up front and in the secondary too, I thought there were some, you know, kind of misplays that happened. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a microcosm of things like obviously quarterback play needs to be better. Offensive line play needs to be better. And that was kind of a frustrating thing too, because we've seen the offensive line improve throughout the year, but it kind of feels like when one, when pass protection is good, run blocking isn't always there and then vice versa. Yeah. And we got poor pass protection, I thought, and not so great running run protection too on uh, on Monday. So yeah, sure. I mean, there's, I, I just don't know. Like, we'll see how much really the new offensive coordinator can do. I know people are going to look at that as kind of a big bright spot and the potential returnees on offense, I think are really promising too, but you know, there's, there's still just feels like there's a lot of unknown going into next season. And yeah, you know, there was a lot more optimism going into this season I felt. And I think with some of the, if some of the guys come back, then that's going to be big for this team too. But like, it just feels like there's, there's just a lot of unknown, especially with the new big 10 slate too. Next year, the new teams coming in. I think that just creates yeah. a lot of like uncertainty. No, and it does. And I think you're right. And, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, I know it's very easy to be reactionary, but like, there are some very big issues that Iowa is going to need to address. Um, getting Luke Lachey back is obviously massive. I think he's in for a potential All American caliber season. I think there's a lot of chemistry between he and Cade McNamara already. I know we barely got to see it. Uh, but those two kind of seemed to, to kind of have it together, I think. I think Luke would have been an all-Big Ten caliber guy this season had he obviously stayed healthy. So it'll be interesting to kind of watch if he can be a focal point, and I think Caleb Brown as well. And, you know, Iowa continued to throw a bunch of different running backs in the situation. Like, I still feel really good about the running back room at Iowa. I think that, you know, we'll see how the scholarship situation plays out as far as wide receiver. I think Iowa needs to get a couple playmakers via the portal or guys just need to continue uh, to develop. But, you know, at the same time too, like Iowa's offensive line needs improved. I, I think there have been, like you said, there've been flashes. Some players have really done well, but it's just plagued by inconsistency. And you talk about Iowa getting guys in the portal, you know, as far as wide receivers go. And again, we'll see how the scholarship situation lines up. But, you know, I think Iowa should take a strong look at getting, you know, an offensive lineman. I mean, I think Rusty Feth got better as the season went along, and I think he's a big reason why the group turned it around in the second half of the year. But it goes beyond the uninspiring play calling. It goes beyond quarterback play. Like, right now, the offense is a complete mess. And, you know, if Kirk kind of didn't get the impression of that today as far as he needs to make some sort of changes, then I really don't know if he's going to ever do that. And I'm very intrigued how these next three weeks to even, you know, a couple months, how this is all going to play out because there are some big issues and they have to be addressed. Like you, you, people aren't taking, you know, being gaslit by the head coach saying that, oh, it's complimentary football. Well, you know, they put up 170 yards of offense. Like, Sean, that doesn't fly. In three ranked games this year, Iowa's put up 404 total yards. And for perspective, that would be 49th in the country in average in total offense for three games. I mean, it's, it's the stats are what the stats are, but it's just so it's in a really bad spot right now. 
and Kirk has to address it immediately. Yeah, and you look at you look at next year's schedule too. You are going to you're going to Ohio State. You're hosting Washington, who I know will have a new quarterback. You're going to UCLA, which I mean UCLA wasn't necessarily world beaters this year, but you know, you're you're playing some pretty talented teams next year that can put up points if they want to. And yes, you're gonna have a good defense. But to beat some of these really, you know, highly regarded teams, you gotta you gotta put an offensive product on the field that's going to be reliable, that's going to move the football, that's going to give you a chance to win. And I mean, you saw what happens when Iowa plays the best of the best. Like, yes, the defense can compete, but the inability to move the football, the inability to execute consistently on offense, and just like the pure, just poor play is not going to, you know, keep you in that top group of the Big Ten. Yeah. Especially with the new teams coming in. So, yeah, I mean, they – something's got to give. I mean, I think a lot of Iowa fans would would die for, you know, the Nate Stanley types of offense that they had. Like, yes, yeah. there were times yeah. when Nate Stanley overthrew – Yes, there were times where he didn't look so great, but it's like those teams could put up points if they want to. And there was, I mean, there was talent on those teams and there's talent on these teams, but it just feels like, like, like I mean, I know Kirk Ferentz said it today. It's like offense is a everything, you know, offense is a group effort. Like there's no doubt about that. Like, yes, the offensive line play probably hurt Deacon Hill's performance, didn't give him enough time in the pocket. But it's like, you know, if Hill is making some of those throws, your wide receivers got to catch him. But also yeah. there were decisions where, I mean, Deacon's – both of his interceptions were kind of like maybe in, obviously in the moment – it's easy for us to sit back and say that they were really dumb decisions because they were dumb decisions. But, yeah. like, they were right to the Tennessee defenders and just in really bad spots. Yeah. So, no. I mean yeah. – I guess we can. I guess a positive was Marco Linus. Like that, that was a yeah. positive. Obviously, he's got some ways to go as a passer, but I mean, his mobility was was a welcome sight. It was, man. I mean, he had more rushing yards in his first five plays as Iowa's quarterback than anybody did on the day. You know, he had set, ended up six carries, fifty-one yards. I think that says a lot about him. But you know what really surprised me and what really impressed me? Yes, he has a ways to go as a passer. Obviously. And being thrown in that situation is difficult for him. But on that fourth and 15, Sean, when he stepped up in the pocket, he stepped up immediately and he took off. Like he didn't – there was no indecisiveness about him. He just made the decision and was all in on it. Because the second he hesitates, he does not pick that up. And that really showed me the kind of moxie that I think you want to see out of, you know, your quarterback room. And, you know, I thought he looked pretty comfortable in the pocket for the most part, but – you know, talk about the offensive line not helping him. I mean, it really did not help him. Man, he was under fire every single play. And, you know, again, for a freshman to go in there and do all that impressed me. That was a bright spot. But, you know, I, I know we keep dogging on the offense, and there's other stuff we'll want to get to. But one thing that has to be worth mentioning, too, on top of Iowa, 173 total yards, you know, on top of 9 to 25 passing for 60 yards total, Sean, I mean, Tennessee had seven defensive backs out 
due to transfer or prepping for the or opt outs, et cetera, injuries. Like this was not a fully stacked Tennessee defense. And I thought Iowa would change their game plan a little. And they just really never took a deep shot down the field. They never tested those corners. And Tennessee, all they simply did was stack the box time and time again. And Iowa would run straight into them. It just made no sense. You have four weeks to prep. Even from the opening script series, I thought was horrible. And that's the way Iowa tried to attack it. And, you know, I think it's worth noting, too, obviously, Jay Higgins has 171 tackles on the season. Ends up tying... Andre Jackson for the most in a single season. And, you know, it's great for Jay and it takes nothing away from him. But Sean, if you have one player making that many tackles, your defense is on the field way too much. Like it is as great as Jay is. And some of these other players, they're going to get gassed. And another guy I want to at least give a big shout out to Joe Evans left everything out there. I mean, he ended the day with four sacks in his final game as a sixth year Hawkeye from one time walk on, to being a team captain. I think he was very instrumental in Iowa kind of keeping together as a team uh, throughout the season. So I think Joe Evans deserves a shout out. And as far as we know right now, Nick Jackson has not made a decision about next year. Quinn Schulte has not made a decision regarding next year as well. And it's also worth noting just some breaking news. Uh, No Iowa offensive players were made available to media following the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I, I guess take it away, Sean. Do you want to continue to talk about the offense or we take a step back and kind of at least see what the plan is moving forward and what Iowa needs to do? Yeah, I mean, obviously getting an offensive coordinator is going to be going to be important, finding that right guy to fit. And, you know, obviously it's a talent thing too. Like the product that Iowa had on the field in the last couple weeks of the season, especially with all those injuries happening on the offensive end was, was an issue. Like it Mm -hmm. was an issue. Like there needs to be another guy that can help compliment Caleb Brown. Caleb Brown, obviously we saw what he could do as a, you know, with his elusiveness, but you need to add another guy on the perimeter or something that can make a play and, you know, potentially change the game. Offensive line play was obviously not there either. I think getting – you mentioned it, getting Lachey back is going to be huge next year. But yeah, there's got to be there's got to be a big sense of urgency to really improve this offense. And we're not expecting Iowa to be as active in the portal as they were last year. That's a given right now, especially considering the scholarship situation. But yeah. there's got to be guys that can take a big jump from this year to next year. 
because like this it's this type of offense isn't going to cut it. Like you can win you can win games the way that Iowa does it, but if you want to compete against top twenty five teams, then you got to have an offense that can do something. Especially that's not... in the modern Big Ten. I mean, that's just what you're calling it the way you see it, man. I mean, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown against a ranked team in it, what could be two calendar years by the time they play another ranked team. It's not sustainable. And, you know, I, I know earlier in the season I, I took a lot of heat from a lot of people when I said, you know, Kirk really only focuses on the destination. But, Sean, like, Iowa might win nine or ten games, and I'm not trying to undervalue that. But with the way they play football right now, that's not going to happen with the future of the Big Ten. Like, Iowa has to become a top 85 to 80 offense, which is not even a high bar. But if they do that, then I think they can, you know, continue to compete. But, man, I mean, it. like I said, they're, they're, they're going to make some changes. I think, you know, whoever the next offensive coordinator, I think he'll see that Iowa has pieces in place. But it's also, are they running Kirk Ferentz's style of offense? Or is the new offensive coordinator going to, you know, be able to kind of put his own twist on things, his own little wrinkle on things? Like, there are some serious things that need to be answered. And, you know, again, I'm not undervaluing Iowa wing nine or ten games. But the public sees Iowa and perceives Iowa as a six to seven win caliber program or even less, not even bowl eligible just based on the way they talk about Iowa. And that's damaging from the recruiting standpoint. It's damaging from a popularity standpoint. It's damaging in certain ways. I'm not saying it's a sky is falling situation, but you got to be real about it. And I, I think it's something that's going to be worth monitoring going forward. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players see the potential, or a lot of recruits see the potential with this Iowa offense and what it can become, especially with the new offensive coordinator. But at some point, the results got to show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see how much what Iowa can do offensively next year with the guys it has and potentially guys coming in, and how much leeway is Kirk going to give the new offensive coordinator? That's that's something that I think is going to be going to be a big talking point. Mm-hmm. Like how, I mean, obviously you can't do a ton with the talent that Iowa has on this roster. At least that was on the football field at, at the Citrus Bowl. But there's got to be something that, you know, they can do to at least, you know, see a, see a notable uptick. Because, I mean, Iowa is always going to be a defensive and special teams oriented program. Yeah. But you have to have an offense that can complement the defense and at least be somewhat reliable in these types of situations, or else you're never going to reach, or else you you're going to get lost. Like I'm yeah. still going to find ways to win football games, but you're going to get lost in the middle of the Big Ten instead of you know really unlocking that potential, getting to that top part of the new Big Ten. Because sure. it's a there's no Big Ten West in this new in this new conference, and I think that's going to be an interesting adjustment for this program because they're capable of it. Like I know they're capable of it. They put together great recruiting classes. They have guys coming back next year, but this offense, man, like it's just it's just holding them back. Like yeah, 
there's got to be there's got to be something. No, I'm with you. And, you know, uh, you got to call it the way it is. Like, I think Kirk's done a lot of really great things throughout his career. I think he's a I think he's a great coach. But you him continuing to say Iowa plays complimentary football is gaslighting the fan base. It's not complimentary football. The defense and special teams have completely carried Iowa's offense the past couple seasons. And that's not going to fly anymore. And I think fans have kind of reached a big boiling point. And, you know, at the end of the day, Sean, as much as people love the program and love everything, it's an, it's a product of entertainment. They're supposed to be entertained by this. Like, Iowa is not entertaining anybody right now. And, again, I'm not saying you game plan to entertain, but you have to make it competent. I think that's the word. They just need to be competent and not so predictable because – you know, you can be hanging out with a group of people, rewatching a game. You know, I'll get texts from people who barely watch football. They watch Iowa. And they don't know anything, you know, about football, really. If they can guess what Iowa is doing on offense, you got to be able to change up some things. But again, it's not all doom and gloom. I like some of the pieces that they have in place, but the coaches have to be able to put these guys in a position to succeed. And I think that, again, injuries are a big part, but I don't think that they've done that. And that cannot fly heading into next season. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you for sure. So, I mean, other than that, I still think we're waiting on decisions from obviously Nick Jackson, Quinn Schulte, as I mentioned, Cooper DeGene, I believe only has until uh, January 5th to make a final decision. Uh, I still believe that he, you know, is going to go to the NFL, but I also think it's a very much like TJ Hawkinson situation where he, you know, probably wants to come back, but that the signing bonus is going to be, you know, really pretty. Uh, Jamari Harris, I still think is making a decision as well. But again, there, there are pieces there, but man, this is a really tough pill. I think for, for Iowa fans to swallow kind of after the roller, or should we call it a roller coaster of a season, roller coaster of a season that they've had. Uh, but Iowa has to put themselves in a position to make people feel confident that they have a shot at being really good next season. And Kirk Ferentz is going to have to do some big, big, I don't want to say soul searching, but he has to make some big decisions and they cannot be predictable. Yeah. I mean, first look at the schedule. Like I think best case scenario right now is maybe nine and three, but We'll see. It'll be a way to Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and predict the record because <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. All right. Let's, wrap let's come back. Up. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, uh, do you, I mean, well, well, I know we have plenty of time to talk about all this offseason storylines. You got any final like tidbits that you want to talk about? I know we really didn't spend much time, you know, talking about the game, but I think any storyline about the game is just completely overshadowed by all the offense talk. I mean, we have to talk about it. It's a big story. Tory Taylor was fantastic. With Tory Taylor's, you know, esteemed career has now come to an end. He'll be going to the NFL. He broke the single season all-time punting record. I don't think he'll ever be broken, to be honest with you, Sean, because he had just break it. He shattered it. Uh, right. But, you know, Tory Taylor, you know, we'll see what happens with the new Australian punter. Uh, that's going to be on campus soon. Iowa's defense, I thought, played competent. Uh, some good things, some bad things. Tennessee ran the ball really well. Iowa, 
you know, it just, I don't think they ran their scheme to perfection, but any other final notes you want to touch on uh, before we wrap this up? Um, not really. I mean, I'll have a couple like off season stuff over the next few days. Um, I'll have a depth chart that I'm coming out with tonight, Monday, a way too early depth chart, and then an off season checklist in the next couple of days among, among other things. But yeah, I mean, the next few weeks will be pretty important too, to see, you know, kind of who stays, who goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll have all the breakdown of that at HawkeyeInsider.com. So be sure to follow us at David Eichel at SBOC247 and at Hawkeye Insider and stay locked in. It's an off season, but there's no really such thing as an off season when it comes uh, to content. And this is certainly going to be a very, very storyline riddled off season uh, for the Iowa football program. But we'll have more from Kirk Ferentz and other stuff from tonight's game and obviously big picture talk. So again, stay locked in to HawkeyeInsider.com and we'll talk soon. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.